All right, good evening again. Oops, good evening again. Um, I didn't see Wes come in, but uh, the song of invitation is number 61, if you want to have that ready, and uh, hopefully he'll be here in a moment. Uh, again, song number 61, we'll be letting that uh, here momentarily. Uh, th- this evening, I just have a, a short devotional thought here uh, tonight. I entitled it, Must Die, Must Die, and uh, you know, have you ever been to a business or a restaurant or a rest stop and you've seen one of these? Notice, employees must wash hands before returning to work. You ever seen one of these? Uh, these are comforting to me, reassuring to me, uh, seeing these signs, and it's because of, really because of this one little word. And now it's not wash, uh, but it's the word must. Right? Employees must wash hands, right? It doesn't say employees can wash their hands or employees may wash their hands. Or employees, please, pretty please wash your hands. But it says employees must wash their hands. And again, that is so reassuring to me. That that word, that small little word, makes all the difference in the world. Right? Must. And, you know, we know that words are vehicles of information. And even the smallest word packs so much, doesn't it? And and that's the case here with this word must. Uh, It's often overlooked. It's often ignored. We skip right over it while we're reading it in the scriptures. But... We must, we must take notice of that when we see it when we, and care, carefully study it. What do I mean by this word must, right? Well, well, the idea is here is you're obligated to do it, right? It's a necessity. It's, uh, it, it shouldn't be overlooked. It shouldn't be missed, right? It's essential. It's necessary. There are no other options. In Scripture, we might come upon a, a command in Scripture, and, uh, and that... That, that command, you know, might not be for you or for me, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, right? That command is strictly for husbands, isn't it? Uh, it? It's not for wives, it's not for the unmarried, but it's for husbands. You know, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, an overseer must be above reproach, married, uh, you know, married to a one wife. Again, that passage there speaking specifically to elders, uh, again, uh, but again, that might not apply to you if you're not a, uh, an elder, uh, or maybe if you're a female, right? Uh, but there are passages in Scripture where God tells us we must do these things if we desire heaven. Uh, there's many of them. Uh, here's just a few. John chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus said, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. You remember this when he's speaking to Nicodemus, being born of water and the Spirit? And he says, you must be born again. John chapter 4, verse 24, a passage later, he says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Right? That's the only acceptable worship that God is going to accept. It it must be worship that is done in spirit and in truth. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Right? Many tribulations we must enter. Right? Suffering and hardship are part of the Christian life. Right? You don't uh, get an option here. Right? You have to experience that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. You must, must be forgiving. Look at this one, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. You quarrelsome in your life? Angry? Like to get in fights? 
right? Uh, Tim- Paul through Timothy says you can't be, right? You must not be quarrelsome. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil. Again, you must do these things. Titus 3, 14, just a couple more. I promise just a couple more, but Titus 3, verse 14, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds. When's the last time you've done a good deed for someone? Because according to Paul, when he's writing to Titus, our people, Christians, must learn to engage in good deeds. And then finally, and this one's probably the biggest one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear. You know, we've often heard, uh, what goes up must come down. Right? It's just the law of nature. What goes up must come down. Paul says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Right? There's no choice. It's inevitable. It's going to happen no matter what. Everyone here today is going to appear before Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear. I think that we can agree tonight that that word must, right? There, there's, there's not an option, right? Well, we could substitute the word can, and, you know, that expresses ability, doesn't it? Uh, employees can wash hands, or we could substitute the word may. That, that takes that ability and, and permission, Right? Employees may wash their hands, but when you use that word must, not only are we expressing ability and permission, but now we're also imposing obligation. Employees must wash their hands. And so if we're spiritual people this evening, then we've got to recognize that no word in the Bible is insignificant. And if you see that word must in your Bible, you maybe circle it, highlight it, underline it. Don't skip over it simply because of its size. When God says we must do something, we had better take notice. And this evening, we ask the question, are you continuing to obey what God has said that we must do in order to be pleasing to Him? Are we living a life that's not quarrelsome? Are we keeping our lips and tongues from evil? Are we doing good deeds? Again, these are musts. The Bible says we must do these things. Or this evening, have you obeyed those things that you must do? I think there's one passage that, you know, if that word must comes to our mind, it's in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, where the Philippian jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what's the result of that? Well, Peter and Silas take the Philippian jailer, they, they teach him about Jesus, and he's baptized that very night. Right? So he becomes a Christian. What must I do to be saved? Right? It's not what can I do to be saved, what may I do to be saved, but what must I do to be saved? And this evening, maybe you've never put Christ on in baptism. Maybe you haven't become a child of God. Maybe tonight's the night to do that before it's eternally too late. We would love the opportunity to assist you with that. Or again, maybe you need the prayers of the congregation tonight, the encouragement of the brothers and sisters here. Let us know as together we stand and sing the song of encouragement.